Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella, and today we're going to do a special, I guess it's a it's a three-part report with Stace and I. We're going to break down the Eddie Cow Invitational, which just went down at YMA a couple days ago. We're going to break down the 2023 Championship Tour, everything going on there, who we think might win, and also the major Olympic implications that are on the line this year. And last but not least, we're going to get into Pipeline. The first event starts on January 29th, so we're going to talk about the forecast, who's been looking good out there, and also our picks to win. So without further ado, Stacy, welcome. Good morning, Hawaii Mike. How's the adrenals? Um, They're coming down. They're coming down. Um, Yeah, it's been a been a pretty wild week like that was for sure the biggest swell that i've ever seen i guess anywhere because i mean where else would i be that i'd see a bigger swell than hawaii i've never been to like portugal or anything like that so yeah i think that was the the biggest most fucking out of control ocean i've ever seen and you got toes in the sand phone in the lagoon uh account of the day you lucky boy yeah i am so happy that i was here for that because i talked to a lot of people that watch the eddie from home and you know, people that love surfing and they said like, you know, it was cool, but it like was kind of boring, you know, cause I guess whatever, it feels slow when you're at home. And even when people do catch waves, you know, they are ultimately kind of just going straight for the most part. So I, I get that, but being there, you really, there was just a feeling to the whole thing and it was really, really, really special. So, um, yeah, I'm really grateful to have been there and to have been one of the, um, lucky many that got washed away by a, a shore <laughs> short pound wave that was probably one of my the highlights of the day because i don't think you yeah that's just part of the experience really um i need to know like can you just sort of roll down there and it's just an absolute free-for-all or are there like like obviously it's not ticketed but is there sort of sections that you can kind of nestle into or like unless you get there at 2 a.m you're not going to get in here or unless you get there the night before don't even try to get here or can you sort of move around you can move around. There are areas that required a wristband, like in the sort of zone where all the tents were set up and stuff. So um, a few of our guys got in there just, you know, claim like playing the stab card. We're doing media, blah, blah, blah. So they got in there. We kind of tried, kind of got turned around, and then we're just like, ah, fuck it. Like, let's just go do the, like, actual tourist viewer thing. So we went on, like, the South Cliff, and you sort of just have to, like, work your way into the crowd, and then we went into, like, the northern corner of the beach, and that's where all the surfers paddle out and stuff, and and all that area, you could just go, and, you know, obviously some people have been, like, set up there for a while, but it's actually because the waves are, like, washing through the crowd every, like, 10 minutes or whatever, it's not like people have, like, chairs set up, so it is a bit loose and free-flowing, and you can sort of go wherever you want. Like, if you want, you can go straight to the front row, because then you're basically the first person to, to cop the waves, which is maybe even a little bit safer, because you see them coming better than if you're sort of a few rows back. Oh, so many trains of thoughts right, right here. The first one is, it sort of sounds like Coachella. The people with the wristbands are out the back, not even really watching, and it's the punters out the front that are really there for the music and the rock and roll. And then secondly, very opportunistic uh, style of event where, you know, only the strong survive. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. I mean, there were like, I mean, truly, people were getting sent into the lagoon. It was crazy. And the the commentators would come on and I think it was Dave Wassel. <laughs> he said, if you have your kid down there, you're a bad parent. <laughs> it's like, fair enough. Like it was pretty dangerous. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's such lifeguard style, um, communication when you've just been doing it for 40 years and you are just 
absolutely you got nothing left and you just can't even imagine what you're looking at <laughs> so did you did you watch like was it how was it from home for you yeah I, I've been fairly lucky um desk jobs kind of rule for that um you know I'm a double screen guy now and um you know the other week I had the Dehui backdoor shootout on and then uh this week I had the Eddie on so it's it pretty good uh yeah it's just mind-blowing I think that um yeah really <sighs> the positioning of the surfers on the peak and their equipment and everything. And then like just so many storylines like Mike Ho and Ross Clark Jones, like Ross Clark Jones was out there without an inflation vest. That is just out of this world to me. He's a lunatic. He is a lunatic. What's the, I think we all knew that, but what's the general feeling in Australia about the idea? Like obviously in Hawaii, it's super important to, to everything about their, you know, history and culture. Um, I think that probably extends a little bit to the mainland U.S. as well, because obviously Hawaii is a U.S. state. But yeah, in Australia, does anybody really care about the Eddie that's not named Ross Clark Jones? I think so. It's a really good question. I don't know where it sits um, for everyone else, but like every group chat that I was in was lighting up. And um, <laughs> you know how you can ring the Hawaii buoy? In, you know, like, like they do in the old surf movies? Mm-hmm. Someone had that number saved in their phone and they threw it in the text like, let's all get up in the morning and ring the buoy and see what it's doing. <laughs> so I definitely think there's like a level... I didn't I didn't do it. I, I wish I did because it would have been funny. But um, I think that there's definitely a level of like, admiration and, and, and like awareness of the event, I guess, if that's what you're asking. Like the Eddie Wood Go sticker definitely would get around on a few cars here like... You, oh, you wow. see it around. For I didn't sure. expect that. Yeah, no, it is. It's pretty, pretty strong. Like, um, and then I guess you know now working at Quicksilver, like we a lot of archival imagery popping up. Obviously, um, they ran the event this year, and, and we could maybe talk about that later. But um, you know, the family, you know, did an amazing job. It got crazy viewership, and then it, it was a successful event, maybe the best one ever. Um, but you know, all that archival imagery through the years, you know, Ross Clark Jones and and all these other crazy surfers, like a lot of those photos were getting around. So I don't know if I'm so close to it that maybe I'm I, I can't speak for the whole country. Obviously, I can't. But yeah, I, I definitely think it has an, an effect over here for sure. Um, because you know, as a kid, you, you, if you go to Hawaii, like and Waimea Bay is breaking, like your team manager's going to send you out there. It's sort of a rite of passage in a way, even if it's only like 15 feet, like you're still out there. Yeah, it's actually breaking again today, but I I just don't need it. I did it last year, that was enough for me. But anyway, um, we have had a crazy start to the year with Backdoor Shootout into the Eddy, and I didn't really get a chance to watch the contest in a way that I feel like I actually know what happened. Obviously, Luke Shepardson won. I saw a few of his really crazy rides. I, you know, I saw great rides from Billy Kemper, from Mark Healy, from John John, sort of the guys at the top of the pack. But it was hard to know on the beach what exactly was going on with the scores. So d- did you feel like it was like judged pretty well? On the screen, obviously, judging any event is really hard to do. Um, but you can definitely tell on the screen, even with an event like, like this, this difference in wave height. And there was one wave that Luke Shepardson got that, I swear to God, didn't even fit on the screen from the camera that was filming from the beach. Like, it was so tall. Uh, and he was into it so early. He must have been sitting so far out. Um, 
Yeah, it's um, yeah, pretty hard to to really grapple from the TV though. Yeah, well, either way, Luke did win. No matter what we feel about the judging, so congratulations to Luke. That is such an incredible lifetime achievement. Something that he will have forever. Like, if, you know what I mean? Like the Eddie, like winning the Eddie is something that you truly carry with you for the rest of your life. So he's pretty much cemented now in surfing history. Really cool that he's a lifeguard as well, just like Eddie. And, you know, I mean, it's been going around a lot, but the fact that he was literally working throughout the day between his heats, he was assisting surfers and saving people on the beach and even went back to the tower after he won the whole thing and, and rode out the, le- the rest of the day and made sure everybody got home safe. Um, so it's a really, really special story. And yeah. Oh, with that, Stacy, it's crazy to think that all this is already happening just in the first month of 2023, but we've got a CT season about to start. So obviously we know there's going to be 10 events this year. We've got basically all the big names back in action. John, John, Gab, et cetera, are back from whatever was going on with them. What's your What's your big sort of thought on this year? Do we want to go straight into predictions of who we think is going to win the, the title? Ah oh, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, yeah, I think for me, it, it really comes down to the final event of the season uh, at Trestles. Uh, seems actually really stupid to say that because, of course, it comes down to the final event at Trestles. But I, I mean that in a sense of like Gabriel could qualify in fifth, fourth, third, second. It, it doesn't really matter. I think he's too strong out there. I think he's 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 got everything uh, that you know. He's got the repertoire, and I think it's going to be really hard to to beat Gabriel Medina with the the event finishing at, at lower trestles. So, yeah, I don't know if that's a huge prediction, but um, yeah, he's gonna. I know, I, you know, John could win the regular season, sort of how I see it playing out. A, a healthy year for him, but. Uh, something about Gabriel at trestles, it's just really hard to go past. Really, see, I don't. When I think of Gabby. I don't think of him as being like this amazing lower surfer. I know that he obviously like won the last one that he was in, but to me his style of surfing isn't really suited to that wave. Like it's kind of like a slow, soft wave, and I feel like he likes punchy surf that he can he can really sort of lean into. Um, I guess it will depend on the conditions. I don't think he would have won this year, for instance. Like the f- surfing Felipe was doing out there when it was small and sort of junky. I don't think Gabby could really compete with that, even if he went left and did big airs or whatever. But yeah, so for me, I've actually put a bit of money down on betonline.ag preemptively. So I put 250 on JJF. I agree with you. I know that at the end of the day, he's going to have to win lowers, but I'm hoping that one, lowers is good. We know John John can surf good lowers really well. And two, I'm hoping that he just does enough in the regular season that he sort of gets that that little boost. We've talked about it before, but I, I really do think that the judges... It, it, you need to really beat the guy who's in number one if you want to be number one. And we saw Steph do that with Carissa this year. She beat her straight up. But I think if John has a really strong year in the regular season, then you know what I mean? He's sort of in that in that position where the judges are going to feel like it has to be taken away from him. It can't really be just like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a close heat or whatever. So I put money on John and I'm also putting money on Phil and putting 150 bucks on Phil because to your point, that end of the year event is what it all comes down to. And I think he's the best guy out there. If the conditions are the same as what they were last year, 
heaven help us. Yeah. Like, that's just, you know, like, that's just not what we get out of bed for. No. And I, I know we're dealing with Mother Nature. It is the ocean. There's so many variables, including sponsorship dollars and, and stuff like that. And I think that Trestles is a great wave. But, oh, man, it, it, in my mind, I'm not picturing that. I'm picturing, like, four to five feet. And I think, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, another interesting year yeah so uh, to your point i think if it is like last year john might be out but i've still got felipe so i'm holding to hope there um okay on to the women who you got oh this one's a little harder it's like i can't have this feeling that steph could just go on this like 35 year old rampage um so i'm gonna go steph again um i think that she had like the slowest start to the year last year. She didn't surf in pipe. She got dead last at sunset. She still managed to get fifth and and sort of do what she did. Similar to Gabe, like if she finishes anywhere in that kind of you know third or second or even number one, she'll be pretty hard to beat. Like she she looked so good out there last year, uh, and yeah, I'm hoping she can do it again. Okay, all right. Um, I am looking at, yeah, it's, it's hard because I'm of two minds. Carissa is obviously the most dominant female surfer just on a, you know, comp to comp basis in the recent years. Like she will most likely finish the year in number one. And it's just a matter for me of how she handles that pressure. Like she had a few moments this year, despite a great season where she really didn't handle the pressure all that well. And she strikes me as a surfer who could get in her own head. So I'm still putting money down on her. I've got 250 on her to win the title because I think she's the most likely, the most statistically probable person to win. But I am going to be feeling nervous all the way up until that very last heat because you never know. She could win freaking six events this year and just not get it across the finish line. So on that, I actually, I, I threw another bit of a dark horse in there who could just really like make it happen for herself at the end of the year. And that's Tati. So I put a hundred bucks on Tati. I think that, she, I think she will win a world title at some point. So it's just a matter of when and where that happens. Maybe lowers isn't necessarily the best venue for her for that, but I just think she has this sort of like fire and even like angst inside of her that I think could result in a surprise victory this year. Yeah, definitely. No, I like it. Uh, I, I would have liked Joanne's chances as well, but she's obviously injured at the moment. I don't know how many events she's going to miss. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really have any dark horses for you at the moment, Mikey. Can, can I watch half the season yet before I uh, boil up a few dark horses? <laughs> yeah, sure. That's fine. All right, so the other big thing about this year, it's not just about winning the world title. It's also about qualifying for the Olympics. That is a huge, huge factor in the 2023 championship tour because we're going to have 10 men and 8 women coming from those ranks. As we know, you can only have two surfers from each country unless you are the U.S. women's or the Japanese men. But of course, there's only one Japanese man on tour. Um, and ultimately, it's not going to be the top three U.S. women that automatically get a spot. It's going to be the top two. And then the third one is going to be up to, I believe, USA surfing to make the choice on who gets that one. So basically, on the men's side, you know pretty much for a fact that two Australians, two Brazilians, and two Americans are going to take six of those spots, right? So that leaves four spots open for the other countries, which include South Africa, that would be Jordi and Matt McGillivray, Japan, which is Kanoa, 
Italy, which is Leo, Indonesia, which is Rio, France, Maxime, and Morocco, Ramsey. So a lot of people vying for these spots, and it's all based on their end-of-year ranking. When you look at those four spots, Stacy, who do you think is going to be filling them? What countries are going to be represented in 2024? Uh, you'd have to think Japan uh, through Kanoe Garashi. You'd have to be in there. Another surfer who is surfing for Japan this year is Conor O'Leary. So, oh, that's huge. Like, Conor O'Leary could get tenth in my mind. You know, he's a he's a world tour surfer. Like strength, power. He's good in you know the locations at the end of the year, like J Bay Tahiti. And you don't so. need to get tenth. You you need to get realistically probably that, like sixteenth or something like that with how it works out. Yeah, true. You're right. So I could definitely see him in there somewhere for sure. Um, I think, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's those sort of names that, that come to mind to me that, that could sneak in for sure. I don't think Kanoe Rash is going to sneak in. I think he'll probably be pretty strong this year, but, um, what about you, Mikey? Who else is going to get those spots? I mean, it's hard to go past Jordy. He had a pretty bad year by his own standards last year. In fact, he was the second ranked South African surfer on the 2022 CT, which I'm sure kind of kills him. But I think Jordy Kanoa, I think, I think Leo will also figure it out. Like, he's had a pretty rough go on tour. He's obviously unbelievable in the Challenger Series and requalifies so easily again every single time. I think this might be the year that he finally sort of makes that leap into the you know not stragglers on the CT, and he's like really a bit of a force. So I'm going to give one to Leo. And the last one, I mean, I would have given it to Ramsey, I think. Um, but now that it seems like he is injured, he's dealing with that, that ankle thing that happened at Backdoor, which I don't think we talked about that on the podcast yet. So yeah, Ramsey, Ramsey got hurt at Backdoor. We don't know the severity of it. We know that the injury replacement wild card, Carlos Munoz, did get a call, and he's going to be coming out to Hawaii so that he can surf in Ramsey's wake in case Ramsey can't surf. But I think it's going to be probably a game-time decision for Ramsey, whether or not he can paddle out at pipe. I could see him almost forcing the issue and doing it because he's worked so hard for this moment. And, of course, he doesn't want to let it pass. But at the same time, knowing ankles, whether it's broken or sprained or whatever, you can't really come back in two weeks. So I hope he makes a smart decision for himself. So with that, with Ramsey most likely not going to be in for the full first half of the year, therefore his, his likelihood of making the cut uh, shrinks a lot because you only get five events, you can only drop one. So with that, I think Connor O'Leary is also a really, really strong pick. He's such a good surfer. Um, so yeah, I'm, I guess I'm going Kanoa, Connor, Leo, Jordy. Yeah, seems fairly, um, fairly bulletproof there. Um, and yeah, obviously, like you mentioned earlier, there, there will be third spot given to Team Japan in the men's and Team USA in the women's because they had the individual women, winners uh, at the um, the ISA event uh, at Huntington last year. So yeah, I think it's cool to open up a few more spots there to those kind of winning countries. I think the depth of talent's definitely there. So, But isn't it they only get the third spot if they earn it? Like, say, for instance, that Connor doesn't make it via these 10 men on the CT, right? So Kanoa would obviously get a spot because he's he's inside of that. But Japan's not just, like, guaranteed two extra spots in the Olympics, right, just because they won that. It's like if they earn their way in, they have the ability to fill those spots. Yeah, definitely. I think that they get 
a spot through qualification on the CT, potentially two, and then they have one through the ISAs. So the ISAs have a, have a, have a pathway to holding you a, a spot. It's not the surfer that gets to pick, it's the team that gets to pick, which is quite unique because the CT, the rankings pick it, and that's what a lot of people probably still getting their heads around. It's like, oh, well, you know... You know, speaking from an Australian perspective, oh, well, the event's going to be in Tahiti, like Jack Robbo and Owen Wright. Like, it's a no-brainer. That obviously can't happen. Owen Wright's not on the tour. So unless Australia win an individual men's ISA title and, say, Jack Robbo and Ethan Ewing finish inside the top 10 on the tour, that's when Australia can pick whoever they want. And Australia has already identified a long list of surfers that you know, they will look to try and support over the next few years uh, you know, in a quest to, to be ready for, for that uh, games. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be doing trips there outside of events and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting how it, all, how it all works out. Okay, so on that, as I said, it's... I don't want to say it's guaranteed, but it's pretty darn likely that two Australians, two Brazilians, and two Americans will get some of those spots from the CT. But the question is, who are they going to be? So if you had to guess, who are the Australians? Yeah, Robbo and Ethan, I'd say. Um, they looked really strong last year, and they don't look like they're slowing down anytime soon. Okay, Americans? Oh, always a difficult one. Uh, obviously, a healthy John John is really hard to go past. And even an unhealthy John John, he's still qualified for the Olympics. So even with one leg, he managed to get that done. Um, so, yeah, John for one spot, and the second spot... Give it to Griff. I'd like to see him, uh, you know, make the final five at Trestles. And if he makes the final five at Trestles, I think that yeah, that would be enough to be, um, you know, a spot uh, shooting for the Olympics. I'm with you there. I, I think that uh, Kelly is really seeing this as his realistic last chance of, you know, one, probably making the Olympics and two, winning the Olympics, which he actually could do. If he, if he found his way to, to be the second ranked or even first ranked U.S. surfer on the tour this year, you'd have to say that he's one of the favorites to win at Chopo. So I know that that's like really strong in his mind. I even heard a rumor that that was part of the reason that he didn't surf the Eddie because he really wanted to be like healthy and, and ready for this season for that particular reason because he's not going to win the the world title, right? We, we pretty much can say that as a matter of fact, but he could win the Olympics. It is feasible if he gets in, you know, say the top 10 of the CT this year and and then qualifies for Chopes, he could easily win out there. Are you, are you seriously saying that that's his focus? Like, without a doubt, that's the reason he's doing the tour this year is to qualify for the Olympics. I would say 100%. I mean, also, he just likes doing parts of the tour, at least, right? We know that. And Yeah, but you can't... That's what I'm saying. Like, are you speculating or do you know that? Because he's not going to be able to do parts of the tour if he's trying to qualify for the Olympics. And if he is trying to qualify the Olympics, 100% he could win Tahiti. But it just seems so like, holy shit, this guy does not stop. I he he's not said it to me. I can't say it. it's like a fact, but in my mind it's a fact. Like this is the one thing in surfing that he hasn't achieved yet. And he hasn't like in Japan, it would have been cool for him to be in the event. He obviously wanted to be in the event, but he never thought he was going to necessarily win that event. Chopes, he could 100% win an Olympic gold medal and then he's done everything you could possibly do in surfing. So yeah, I I would say with a certain level of certainty that that is a big motivator for him in 2023. I like it when you put it like that. Yeah, he definitely wanted to be in Japan. Uh, so, I don't know, the event would love to have him. So, yeah, very uh, very interesting storyline. Okay, so lastly, Brazilians. Obviously, we've got the three 
the three head honchos and then a, a few other ones coming up beneath them quickly. So who's getting the two nods? Uh, yeah, can't go past. Uh, well, I can because they didn't go the other year. But uh, yeah, Gabriel and Philippe Toledo will do it for me. Oh, you're not. So how crazy would that be, actually, if the reigning gold medalist didn't even get a start? Yeah, well, it just goes to show that, you know, the selection criteria perhaps could use some, uh, you know, mixing up a little bit, which they are. You know, there's no reason why one of those guys can't win the ISA event and that will guarantee them a third spot and Brazil's mighty trio will all go, which is even... And that's probably a scarier thought, actually, if all three of them are there. <laughs> I mean... Absolutely. But I'm just thinking, like, imagine freaking Italo. He'd be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I won the last one. That doesn't that doesn't really happen in other sports, does it? I can't say that I follow other sports that closely, but with, you know... I can remember actually here uh, swimming a few years ago. One of our greatest swimmers, uh, Ian Thorpe, he didn't, he didn't qualify, and he actually had to kick a guy out of the team to get in. So... Yeah, I mean, not kick a guy out of the team. I think the coaches sort of sat down the other guy who qualified in whatever eighth position and was like, "Hey, um, you know, mind if we have a chat? Um, oh my god, yeah, we've got this so idea heavy. for you. Um, we've got this uh, guy who's uh, you know actually a lot better than you, but uh, he actually didn't make it. So you want to give him your spot? <laughs> That's <laughs> and he did. So he did. Heavy man. Yeah, the politics yeah, are going to come yeah. out. I'm sure. Um, okay, well that is a race mm. to look forward to outside of the world title race. That's going to be honestly. Almost more interesting because, you know, nowadays you don't win the tour by winning the tour. So this is going to be something that we can pay attention to all year long, you know, along with the the top five thing. And, yeah, I'm sure they're going to be pretty cutthroat because the Olympics have the ability to send a surfer into freaking out of the stratosphere. You saw what happened with Italo. He gained 1.2 million Instagram followers in a week and his life completely changed way more than when he won the world title. And that's coming from him. We asked him that question when we were filming Stab in the Dark. So on the women's side, we will have uh, eight women qualifying from the CT with a little asterisk on that, which I'll explain shortly. But basically, that's going to be two Australians, two Americans, a French surfer, a Brazilian, and a Costa Rican. And I can say that with certainty because there literally are not enough nations represented on the women's CT to even fill eight spots because you can only have two per country. So I don't know what's going to happen with that last spot exactly, but I know for a fact that Tatiana Weston-Webb and Brisa Hennessy and Joanne DeFay have qualified for the 2023, or sorry, 2024 Olympics. So congratulations. Huge. That's, um, again, is that, you're breaking some news here or... I mean, your maths isn't wrong. Well, I'm just deducing. I don't know. And it also it, it makes it so much worse for Teresa Bonvolo, who is from Portugal, that she didn't qualify, that she lost on a, on a tiebreaker to Sophie McCulloch, who, of course, now is injured, because uh, Teresa also would have been guaranteed an Olympic spot if she came in, because she would have been basically that eighth, not the eighth nation, but, you know, w- with how it works out with two people per country. She would have been the one that got that well, last spot. Well, I got one for you. She is not a wild card. She's an injury replacement. So I am going to go out on a limb and say she gets to keep her points on the tour this year. Would you agree with me on that one? Oh, that's huge if true. So And she's going to surf pipeline. Even if she comes last, she's going to get points on the tour. Oh, wow. So there's so much going on. Okay. Well, like I said, we know that these surfers from, you know, the, the not U.S. and America, sorry, not 
Australia and U.S. will be guaranteed a spot on the women's side. But those two races for the Americans and the Australians are pretty wild. So who are you going with, Stacey? Ooh, that's tricky. Well, obviously I said Steph's going to win the world title, so I have to, I'll stick with her. Um, so just a reminder, we've got Tyler, Isabella, Macy, Molly, Sophie, and Sally outside of Steph. Sally's seed is horrible, but the the waves to start the year definitely suit Sally, and she could get on a bit of a roll from there. Like, I don't think Sally's going to win the world title or anything this year, but I could easily see her finishing fifth. So I'm going to go Steph and Sally. And then talk about having a real chance at Chopes, like Sally for sure. Okay, cool. I'm going Steph and Tyler. On the American side, we have Carissa, Lakey, Caroline, Gabriella, Betty Lou, and Katie. Who you got? Uh, Carissa and Caroline. Yep, I'm with you on that one. I think they're going to do well, and I think they both also have a really good chance at Chopes, Caroline especially. And is is that it? Like that's what you're saying. All those, all the rest of the spots. There's six spots left. Well, no, there's uh, four spots left because the women only get eight CT spots overall. So two Americans, two Australians, and then the three other spots that we know: Brazil, Costa Rica. And France. Wow. That is certainly something to look forward to throughout the year. Stacy is watching that race. But for now, we are going into the first event of the 2023 Championship Tour Pipeline. It starts on January 29th, and there's a lot to talk about. So first and foremost, I want to give you a little just, you know, I've been in the lineup, not at pipe, but I've been off the wall. So I've been sort of, you know, I've had my... My little binoculars out, and I've been watching closely to see who's been doing well, who's been doing not so well. And my scene report is as follows. Jack Robinson, Leo Fioravanti, Joao Chianca, and Griffin Colapinto have been looking really strong. Of course, Pipe is an interesting one because it's not just about how well you ride the wave, it's about how well you navigate the lineup. And these guys seem to get more waves than a lot of the other C-tiers for one reason or another. I would say Jack looks the most comfortable and in command out there of everyone on that list. Leo also manages to get really crazy waves most of the times he paddles out. Same as Joao. Joao doesn't seem to care about the the like rules of the lineup. Like he just goes in with like a big smile and somehow kind of like catches whatever wave he wants and doesn't get grief from the locals, which I find pretty impressive. And then Griffin I mean, you've seen it on Instagram. He's been absolutely charging, going on probably some pretty stupid waves, but you got to, like, it's just fun to watch. So I think that when you give him an opportunity out there in a heat, he's going to be just licking his chops. So those guys have looked really, really strong to me. On the other hand, there have been a few people that I've seen who've been struggling a bit, and I can basically figure that out just based on who comes over to off the wall to surf with me. So that's been a lot of the Australian crew. So, you know, it's been Jacko Baker, Callum Robson, Liam O'Brien, Ryan Callanan, who, you know, they, they go over to pipe for a couple hours and then they end up coming over and they're like, fuck, I couldn't even catch a wave. And it sucks, but it's, I guess, just part of the dynamic over here. Um, so they've been struggling. Of course, you know, when they get into competition, they're not going to have that problem, but it's just a matter of whether or not they've, had enough experience on that reef to really figure it out and be able to surf it well in 30 minutes against another surfer. So that's kind of what it's looking like. I haven't seen many of the women out there. I saw, you know, Caroline and Steph out there, but sort of just getting like gum style lefts, like just sort of like insiders, not super hollow. So it's been 
definitely really tricky pipeline like when it's been breaking it's been kind of like big and scary and weird so it's not that user friendly but with the forecast we have you're kind of just it looks like you're gonna have to get used to that because it's gonna be there's a big swell coming i think on the first day of the waiting period the 29th but the winds look weird too man it's going northeast like pretty bad trades and i don't know if they're even gonna be able to run i think they might have to and then we also know that we have a few surfers with injuries. So we have Sophie McCulloch. She is going to be out. Alyssa Spencer is filling in for her. Joanne DeFay, she's also out. Teresa Bonvelo is coming in for her. And Ramsey is hurt, but we don't know the extent of it. We don't know if he's going to surf or if Carlos Munoz will fill his spot. So that's sort of an overview of who's been getting around. And yeah, Stacy, where are you at with Pipeline? What are you thinking? Well, what I'm at with pipeline is that I'm ready for it to start, um, but I'm really concerned that the wind is absolutely horrible and there's going to be waves, which makes it even sort of more tantalizing. Um, I had a similar thing in G-Land last year where it was like six foot and pumping, but the wind was onshore and it was just so heartbreaking. And I think pipeline's going to be a bit bigger than six foot and pumping. Like there's another legitimate swell coming two days worth that's going to open up the waiting period, but the wind is just horrible and... You know, it's northeast, so it's it's almost there. You know, east-northeast is doable. But northeast, from my experience, it isn't. So uh, I, I can't see them running straight off the bat, which is frustrating because there's going to be waves. Uh, I don't know what much further down the line looks. You seem to think there's a swell coming a little bit further. The only concern I have with that is that when those northeast winds kind of settle in, they have a real pesky sort of um, trend that doesn't break easily. So I'm hoping that they don't last too long. I reckon I went there for three weeks once in January, and it was northeast the whole time. Mm, yeah. And it was very, very, very heartbreaking. That does tend to happen, but Surfline has it, you know, cutting off after five days or so, so hopefully that's the case. Also with those northeast winds, it's not just the the you know the wind itself like the surface texture it creates but they create this sort of like fetchy wind swell that really does impact the way that the waves interact on the north shore so it yeah there's like the under level and the top level that it has this impact so it's yeah it's really really tricky i was talking to balaram yesterday though vans pipe master and he said you know yeah the wind's obviously not good but when it's sort of big and west you can get away with it you know especially if you're going like the second wave of the set or he something. can he can get away with it he <laughs> can get away with it <laughs> no i know what he means like the wave still barrels for sure like it definitely it's just like the reef's so good and the, it, the wave is obviously so perfect that it's still surfable um it's just oh a, a lot more death defying yeah, it certainly is. So it's going to be a big decision for the WSL whether they choose to run on that swell or if they wait and hope the winds die down. And then, um, like Stay said, I think there is another swell expected for the fourth or fifth. Surfline's put it on the charts, so you know it's true. It, it, it's it's a gamble, man. It's a real gamble. I think they still need four days to run the event, and. I think, you know, with the Hawaiian rules, it's not like you can run, like, one round and call it off and then, you know, come... Like, it's like you, you lock in for a day. So they're going to have some really tricky decisions to make. And I think that that basically means that the winners of 
this event are going to have to be really resilient, clever surfers because they're going to have to do it in a lot of different conditions. They're going to have to do it when it's big and scary. They're going to have to do it probably when it's small and tricky and, and maybe even, you know, one or two perfect days as well. But before we get into our picks, I wanted to bring up some of the best matchups of round one for the men and women. So last heat of round one for the men features none other than John Florence, Gabriel Medina, and Leo Fioravanti. I mean, what else could you ask for at the start of the season? Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, I don't know. It's sort of, though, we just try so hard to engineer this, like, John-Gabby rivalry, and the more that we do it, the sort of, to me, the less likely it's going to happen. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, definitely going to watch the heat, though. Well, I don't think we're going to get them freaking, you know, throwing that much shade at each other. It's not going to be like Andy Kelly in that sense. But in terms of sheer competitive performance, like, there's no reason why these guys shouldn't be going head-to-head against each other at the end of every year, especially now with the way that the WSL finals are set up. Like, it seems like you could literally get them in, you know, every every final heat for the next five or ten years or whatever. So I think that, yeah, it's it's there as long as they're both healthy. Um, there's no reason why they shouldn't be facing off against each other a lot and creating this, this dynamic. Um, and then also, it's, dude, don't sleep on Leo because he's been getting some crazy backdoor waves obviously he's going to be the underdog in this heat but I think like when it comes to bet online odds I might actually take him because he's probably going to have really really good odds when you put him in with two of the best pipe surfers of all time but he could easily especially in like weird conditions get like a sneaky one under them another heat that I really like is Emai Kalani Duvall, Seth Moniz and Italo Ferreira in heat five that's just a really good mix of like expert locals obviously a finalist from last year and then a former pipe master an outsider a goofy foot it's just yeah it's it's these surfers sort of like complement each other really well and it's a really good balance in my eyes yeah that's a cracker uh you got any intel on how emai got in did, did he just get given the event wild card or emai got the event wild card i believe so him and uh josh moniz um so that's I think Josh Moniz is probably a Billabong pick. They're the sponsor of the event, and the WSL had the extra event wild card, which they had to give to a local. And I don't know if that was based off seeding or based off his, you know, recent performances on the North Shore. I know that he's in contention to win the Vans Triple Crown right now. So um, somewhere around those mechanisms, Emai got in as well, which is a great pick. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's. Um... Yeah, he's strong out there. He actually didn't do so good when he was on the tour, but the year he was a wild card, he got a couple of great waves out there, so you can definitely definitely get it done. That's a sick heat. Yep, and then the last one for the men that I'm really itching to see is Rio Wida, Matt McGillivray, and Sammy Pupo. Just basically, like, next-generation heat, and we saw Sammy have a crazy, crazy run last year. It really surprised me and a lot of other people, I'm sure. I'm wondering if Rio can can do something similar and Matt McGillivray obviously is not afraid of any piece of water so um, I think that's going to be a really interesting heat it may not necessarily be like the most expert pipe surfing you've ever seen but I think they're all going to be sending it it's going to be really fun to watch yeah definitely I don't think Matthew McGillivray is actually scared of anything so um, yeah definitely another good heat to tune into cool so then on the women's side I really like heat two which has Carissa Betty Lou and Alyssa Spencer Alyssa, I don't think stands much of a chance in this heat, but I love the Carissa Betty Lou matchup, not just because of how well they surf out there, but because of the Vanspite Masters moment where Carissa burned Betty Lou. And 
you could tell that she was oh. not happy about how that thing went down. So I think there might be a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of animosity, a little bit of drama involved there. So I'm sure, you know, Carissa will put on the smile and, and whatnot, but I, I know she wants to win that heat. Yeah, I think that um, that that's definitely going to carry over for sure. Um, looking forward to seeing how that one unfolds. Okay, so and the other heat that I really like is Steph versus Macy Callahan versus Moana. Um, Macy to me is probably not so much part of that equation, but just seeing the two, like, you know, Steph, the goat of female surfing, Moana, the best at pipeline. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out as well. And last time I checked, I I went on to bet online yesterday to go look at odds for, you know, the winners of the pipe masters. And when I checked, there were some really, really strong odds in the better's favor for Moana Jones-Wong. She was like plus 2,200, which basically means if you put $10 down, you could win 220, which seemed absurd considering she won the thing last year. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled. I'm not sure if they're going to be at that same level by the time you're listening to this, but uh, yeah, get your bets in. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're reading this forecast like I am and it's going to be lots of weird onshore days at backdoor. Yeah, well, fair enough. Maybe they're smarter than me. But anyway, we should get now into our actual picks to win this event. So what do you want to start with, men or women? Um, Women. Okay, go for it. Carissa Moore. That was easy. Well, it's just so hard. Like, the forecast is so like what you said. It's really junky. It's a bit of everything. Um, I, without really seeing what that swell in the third and fourth looks like, it's going to be sort of, you know, based on what I can see at the start there, it's it's going to be really, really hard to, to, to manufacture some heat. So I think Chris has got plenty of class and she knows how to get out of any situation. So except Steph Gilmore at Trestles. She couldn't get out of that situation. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think she's pretty strong. Okay. Well, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to throw a bunch of money down on Moana because It'd be stupid not to, given the odds. But my pick for the event is going to be Tyler Wright. I think Tyler is really good at navigating tricky conditions. Um, She also won out here before when they moved the event from Honolulu. And she did it in a pretty, you know, unceremonious way. She ended up getting a right at the end and, like, did a couple turns on it. But I think that might be what it takes, actually, to, to get a W in this year's event. You know, it's just being creative and figuring out a way to get the score no matter what. So I'm going to go Tyler. You're kind of riding me off for my pick, but you just picked the same version of surfer. <laughs> yeah, but it's Carissa. Like, it's just so easy to just say Carissa. You can just say Carissa at any event. I know, but you could say Tyler at any event, too. Yeah, yeah it's a little different, but okay. Anyway, on to the men. Maybe, yeah. Another crazy set of odds that I saw were for Kelly Slater. He was also at plus 2200 on betonline.ag. So obviously he's last year's winner. And if somebody's, you know, seen a lot of moods of pipeline in their lifetime, it's that guy. So I think he's a really strong pick on the betting side. But when it comes to picking a winner, Stacey, who do you got? Uh, I think Griffin could get it done if it's going to be all weird and chunky and wild. He got second in the Vans comp, so and what he's been what he's been doing like in his free surfs out there is just nothing short of um, psychotic. So um, yeah, it'd be it'd be cool. Okay, so you got Griff. I was thinking like I think someone like Jack is probably a really smart pick. He's so good at finding the good waves out there, even in a tricky lineup. I remember I surfed it with him like two years ago on a day that was like borderline good, but like just the wind was a bit off and the swell was a bit weird. And, 
everybody was struggling and he was just finding like perfect wave after perfect wave. Um, I also think though, like I kind of want to go a little bit more dark horsey with this. And I'm trying to think of like, who are those surfers that really just like, don't give a fuck and we'll just figure it out no matter what. And I'm going to throw down Joao Chianca. I think Joao could just Uh get on an absolute roll. He was also in the final of the Vans Pipe Masters this year. And I just, I don't know, he just has this sort of energy about him where he just does not give a fuck whatsoever. So I'm going to go Joao. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, he definitely does have that go, go, go attitude. He's gnarly out there. Heat of the year last year for me, that heat with John John, that was out of this world. Which one? Oh, exactly. The pipeline one. (laughs) Wow. Okay, I thought you were going to say Bells, actually. That just goes to show how good he is. Yep. Yeah, that closeout he stood in was... uh... Yeah, see it into my brain. Yeah, it's pretty heroic. Okay, well, those are our pipeline picks. You can make your own on betonline.ag. The odds are live. And then there's also, I, I hope they're going to put up the um, you know the heat-by-heat heat ones as well this year. I know that sometimes they, they get a little bit lax when it comes to the surfing odds because they've got all these other you know big sports going on. But hopefully they give the surfing some love this year and we can make some uh, heat picks as well because that makes the day of really fun. You're not just waiting for the end result. Yeah, or you could play with Monopoly money and uh, have a great time as well. <laughs> Just like Stace. Okay, cool. Um, Stacy, anything <laughs> else on Pipeline or the 2023 CT before we sign off? Nah, we can't wait for it to get started. Uh, I say it every year. It's, it's a great time for surfing over here. It's, it's early morning, so you get up and, and bang it on. And yeah, I'd love it to start day one, but I'm not too sure. So we'll have to wait and see. All right, January 29th. Stay tuned. And until then... Over and out.